0: Welcome into another edition of the Doug Russell Podcast. I know it's been a minute since we've talked. It's been a busy start to the football season for me. Of course, you can listen to all of the stuff that we're doing over at 97.3 The Game if you're in Milwaukee statewide on the Game Radio Network, on the Packers Radio Network, or worldwide on the iHeartRadio app. But uh, wanted to bring you a Packers preview of their Game 2 against Atlanta. Uh, that's what we're going to try to do on Fridays throughout the football season. It's just kind of give you a taste of what we're talking about on the game and uh, give you a little uh, preview as far as what's going on leading up to whomever the Packers are playing. And it's the Atlanta Falcons this week and coming up in just a few minutes we'll check in with Kelly Price from Fox Sports 5 in Atlanta formerly of uh, Channel 26, NBC 26 in Green Bay. So she used to cover the Packers last several years. She's been covering the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, She's the host of Rise Up Tonight and the Dirty Bird Report on Fox 5 Atlanta. Uh, We'll also check in with Bill Schmidt here in in just a moment or two as well. But I want to lead things off with the injury report, if you will, because that's been the storyline for, I would say, the Packers, but also the NFL. We'll get to Aaron Rodgers coming up in just a few minutes as well because I've got some thoughts on that. Just a, a devastating injury for him, something that you never want to have anybody have to go through. And um, I would say especially someone who, who is having this career renewal in New York. And I know that there's some schadenfreude from a lot of Packers fans who don't like the way that Aaron conducted himself, for example. But uh, we'll get to that coming up at the end of the show. The injury report, basically, is that everybody is questionable. Everybody who's been dealing with injuries this week, questionable. Romeo Dobbs is questionable. Christian Watson was out on the practice field. He's questionable. David Bakhtiari. As you'll hear from Matt LaFleur here in just a moment, questionable. Everybody's questionable. Um, It will be incumbent upon Jordan Love, it'll be incumbent upon the, the coaching staff to continue to do without the best wide receiver that the Packers have, arguably, in Christian Watson, if he can't be out there at all on Sunday. Or if he's not a hundred percent, Romeo Dobbs was not a hundred percent, but Romeo Dobbs performed really well against the Chicago Bears. Uh, you've also got uh, Aaron Jones not practicing all week. Didn't practice on Friday as well. David Bakhtiari didn't practice on Friday as well. Uh, neither one of those guys, I think, need the practice time. They've both been in the NFL. This is Bakhtiari's what tenth season, and this is Aaron Jones' seventh season. They're good in the offense. I want them out on the field on Sunday. I don't necessarily need them on the field Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I know that there is this old-school mentality. Where if you can't practice, you can't play. I, I don't buy that at all. Brett Favre barely practiced. Charles Woodson almost never practiced. Aaron Rodgers almost never practiced. And all three of those guys, well, a couple of them are already in, and another guy uh, in Aaron, will be wearing a gold jacket sooner rather than later. So I don't worry about guys that have performed, that have already done it. David Bakhtiari is a borderline pro football Hall of Famer right now. If he has a couple of more Pro Bowl and All-Pro type of seasons, uh, he could very well put himself squarely in the conversation for having a bust carved in Canton. And that is not hyperbole at all. Both of these guys, Jones and Bakhtiari, are sure thing first ballot lockdown Packers Hall of Famer. So they've got this. I think they'll be okay as long as they get the rest that they need. And specifically as it pertains to Aaron Jones, you know, hamstring injury that kind of sniped him in the Chicago game uh, after scoring the second touchdown of his and he kind of pulled up a little bit lame going into the end zone. He said he was just wasn't a, a hamstring pull. It was just a hamstring bite. So we'll see how much of a bite that is for Sunday at Atlanta. But this was the very latest and the last news conference that you'll hear uh, from Packers head coach Matt LaFleur heading into the game on Sunday. Obviously, it all has to do with with all of the things that we've been talking about this week, and it's the injury bug that has bit this team already in week one.
1: So David, Aaron Jones, Quay, and Christian Watson will all be questionable. Is Quay out of protocol? He He has has not been
2: cleared yet. If I'm not mistaken, there, Dave did not have status last week. So is there, was there some any kind of significant change with him?
1: He'll probably be questionable all year. So we saw Christian go out for practice. Did Aaron eventually get out there and do anything? He did uh-huh. not practice. He was out there. He did not practice.
3: Did Christian actually do anything?
1: Yes, he was mm-hmm.
3: limited. Yeah, what kind of growth have you seen from Rashid? You know, just with what he's done this year. You know, being the sixth offensive lineman now, and just some of the progress he's made. More years out a
1: year ago. Yeah I think uh, just overall understanding of what we're trying to get accomplished. I mean he's always had the physical tools and I think he's just matured not only as a football player but as a person and he's gone in there and done a really nice job for us.
2: I know it's kind of the nature of the beast of
3: facing former coaches and players but is there any challenge against Jerry Gray who's senior offense for a bunch of years?
1: Oh, I'm sure there is. Yeah, he, he, I mean, he's seen a lot of our concepts, and, um, you know, he might throw some wrinkles in there, but that's kind of the challenge every week. You, you're never quite sure what people are going to do, and, um, you know, so it's just, you got to be willing and able to adjust when needed.
4: So when you think that maybe he knows
2: something, do you go the other way and try to, I mean, is it that cat and mouse or you just go yeah, do what you I, do? I try to not to there.
1: overthink it, to be honest with you. You just kind of go out there and attack the best way you think um, that you can attack somebody. So I, I don't spend too much time, well, hey, he, he knows we like this, so we got to do, you know, it just, you can you can kind of chase your tail doing that.
4: With Rashawn still kind of easing back in, uh, we saw Lucas kind of a slow kind of training camp, but coming out with the sack that first game, what does that do for his confidence? And then how does it feel that you can count on him going forward that he did get that big play?
1: Yeah, I thought, I mean, he made a great play. Um, not so, I thought Lucas had a pretty good training camp. I think that's just kind of the nature of the position a little bit he's done a great job. He's really come in. He's he's worked his tail off. He's He's been able to grasp what we've asked them to do. And so I think he's going to continue to get better and better and better. So I'm really excited about what the future holds for him.
4: If Eric can't go on Sunday, could that be an opportunity for Emmanuel
3: to get some of his first game action, especially with just that perimeter threat he presents?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, he he would be the next man up. So if, if that is the case, he'll be ready to go.
0: Packers coach Matt LaFleur on Friday. All right, joining me here on the Doug Russell Podcast right now, you can listen to him from 9 until noon alongside John Kuhn. He's Bill Schmidt. You can also hear him alongside Drew Olson on the Packers Radio Network, A co-host of Packers OT. Billy, I appreciate the time so much uh, and the insights. Uh, I want to begin, I guess, with the quarterback because that's what everybody has been talking about, not only in Green Bay but around the league. And, you know, I, like I said, I'll get to Aaron Rodgers and his coming up a little bit later on, but the storyline for this entire offseason for the Packers was, yeah, for the only second time in more than a generation, you're going from a Hall of Fame quarterback to a bit of an unknown. Worked out well last time. It's only one game right now. But I will say this about Jordan Love in his first start as QB1, second start overall, but first start as the entrenched QB1 well, I thought he looked really good against the Bears.
3: I thought he was super poised, and I guess that's a difficult thing to just hear players say and say, oh, man, he's got great poise. You have to see it in those moments, right? Wayne Larravee has joked about it plenty of plenty of times that even though we believe we know exactly what Jordan can be as a, as a quarterback, you have to see him be able to prove it. And he hasn't started consecutive games. This Sunday will be the first game that he has started consecutively since pre-pandemic. Wow. So, I mean, he has to Been in back-to-back games to go through the grind of a week. Your body feels a little bit sore. Now, he wasn't all that sore because he didn't get hit. One of the mm-hmm. big reasons why I think he looks so poised. But he just looked confident and on time. And it's another part of... I think we'll learn more about this as the season goes on. Some of the detractors in his pre-draft process were a little bit loose with the football. Mm-hmm. Footwork needs to be cleaned up. Doesn't He can deliver the ball Mm off-platform, but it's not his strength. He'll have some very inconsistent moments with it. That off-platform, Dirk Nowitzki-style screen pass for 51 yards to Aaron Jones, Mm -hmm. would say some of that has been coached out of him. And we'll see if some of the gunslinger bit that helped you lead FBS football in interceptions as a quarterback at Utah State in 2019, if some of that's been coached out of him. But he was... He was really, really impressive. And it's one of the reasons why I took such incredible, immense joy in watching that game as somebody who has grown up going to games with my dad talking stuff to any Bear fan that would listen to me when I was a pear-shaped youth and now pear-shaped <laughs> adult, right? Like, that was a satisfying moment because I knew everybody else that was my age on the other side of the rivalry, Doug, mm-hmm. had waited their entire life for Sunday. And I, then got kicked right back down the stairs.
0: Oh, it's beautiful. And I lived in Chicago, as you know, so I've yep. got a lot of friends behind enemy lines. So it's yeah, it, fun.
3: It can be even more personal for you because you you had been there for so long. Right. And, and. Even people that weren't of a certain age group, people that had lived through and remember the 1985 Bears, mm-hmm. had been waiting these 30 years again because they had finally felt like the big, bad wolf was gone. They're like, nah, man, we got another wolf, and this one might breathe fire. We don't know. Yeah, Maybe. We'll see.
0: Hopefully." Well, I mean, it's interesting that you bring up the, the coaching of Jordan Love because I think that his two predecessors... And I know that you can't compare two Hall of Famers to a guy who hasn't yet had consecutive starts in the mm-hmm. NFL. When I say this, I realize that. So I'm not trying to, you know, add two and two and get seven. But when Brett Favre came to Green Bay, he had a quarterback guru and his head coach in Mike Holmgren who coached him out of some bad habits. Aaron Rodgers held the ball too high, famously. Mike McCarthy, now Mike Sherman was his rookie coach, but mm-hmm. then in the second year Mike McCarthy became the Packers head coach, and when Aaron took over as starter, Mike McCarthy was the head coach, and he coached him as a quarterback's guru, who had worked with the likes of Joe Montana and Steve Young in the totally, past as yeah. well, um, Ed coached him out of some bad habits. Now you've got Matt LaFleur, who is a quarterback's guru, who has quarterback's coach helped lead, You know, ironically enough, former Falcons quarterback Matt Ryan, to an MVP season, and he's perhaps going to try to coach him out of some bad habits. How much of an advantage do you think it is to have a young quarterback with a head coach who understands that position as well as what we've seen in the past and now what we have in the present?
3: I I think it's really, really beneficial. Matt also played the position, Mm -hmm. right? He played it in college, um, knows what that grind is going to be like, also understands that I don't ever believe the quarterback has to be the biggest rah-rah guy. He doesn't have to be Pat Mahomes running up and down the sidelines saying, Come on, guys, we're gonna win this one. I know we're going to, right? Like, you don't need that. Mm-hmm. You need subtle immense confidence. Right? You have to have a little bit of an air about you that people can look to you and say, whatever the moment is, we're gonna be okay. And and I think that stuff can't necessarily be coached, but it can be trained, right? Like you can train somebody to in those moments bank off what we've worked on for the last three to four years and believe in yourself that you're going to be able to get it done. I also think while Matt LaFleur needs a large amount of credit, and Aaron tried to, I think, drop a little bit of that on him in 2021 mm-hmm. when he wore that corduroy suit to accept his second straight MVP. Sure. I remember he kind of winked and he said, Buddy, trust me, I know we make jokes, but two MVPs, three seasons here, you're a huge part of it. Yeah, He Helped him kind of clean up and realize, like, you have to be... We love that you throw off platform so well. Just imagine what it would be like if you were on platform a couple (laughs) of times, right? And then you saw 2020 (laughs) and 2021. It was on time. It was on rhythm. It was clean. It was crisp. And, And Tom Clements, I think, needs to have some... A certain amount of credit given to him for it because last year I thought it was kind of a punchline. Many people thought, like... This is just to satisfy Aaron in Mm -hmm. one of his final years here, but Rodgers said it, and I think Jordan would admit to it as well, Tom Clemens probably helped out Jordan Love way more than he was even helping out a 36-, 37-, 38-year-old Aaron Rodgers.
0: And and one of the things that I like about Tom Clemens is that, okay, so Aaron's moved on. Tom's still here. Still here, and, And Tom Clemens helped... When Aaron Rodgers was in the formation of being an NFL quarterback, holding the ball too high, um, you know, questioning. He he was great with for, young
3: quarterbacks. Yeah, yep.
0: and he was great with young quarterbacks, but Tom had retired and Aaron had helped lure him back and yep. put out feelers saying, hey, it would be great if you came back and, you know, help me at the end of my career. But after Aaron left, it would have been easy for Tom Clements to peace out. Instead, he's still there. He's still helping Develop the next generation of quarterbacks, and,
3: and I'll, I'll even give credit to Matt indirectly on that as well. Where, Doug, you've been around this a long time. There's a crazy amount of egos in all professional yep. sports, and football is no different. You're going to tell me how, why this guy is knows quarterbacks better than I do, and and they would never have mm-hmm. worked together before. They frankly, they're of a different generation, different generation, coaching trees, different kind of different offenses. Right. Mm -hmm. Tom Clemens was mostly a West Coast offense guy. This is very much not the West Coast offense. So to be adaptable and identify the fact that I don't know everything, Mm -hmm. I can learn something from a different style of quarterback coach. One of our guys can become a much better player because of his tutelage. I think credit credit does need to go on to Matt for that auxiliary part of it, not just the strictly coaching of Jordan, but understanding that the environment we build around him is ultimately going to be what makes him successful or not.
0: You mentioned Jordan loves staying clean, and that was such an important part of his poise against the Bears on Sunday. Uh, let's talk about the offensive line as long as you're here. I know how love much you love talking yeah. about the big uglies up front. Zach Tom can play. Yeah, he's a stud. He's a stud. And when you've got Bakhtiari healthy, and I know that he hasn't practiced this week, but I don't know that he needs to practice. He talked about that last week. He's talked about it with Matt Schneidman a couple of times, and I think he's right. I think he's at the stage of his career, a decade in, that, yeah, he's got the offense down pretty well. He knows how to play this game. But you go up and down that offensive line, and it's stud after stud after stud after stud, and... That, oftentimes, as as you know, and it's an unfortunate part of, I guess, NFL media. The offensive line doesn't get talked about as much as it should because that's the foundation of what this offense can do. And this offense put up thirty eight points last week.
2: Yeah, well, thirty
0: one. I mean, one was a pick six. But go on.
3: Yeah, but well, and look at what Philadelphia does. Look at the way that the Eagles run their operation. It is built from the trenches on out. Right, like Jalen Hurts, uh, able to make a certain amount of mistakes because. Well, they have two guys that are probably going to have gold jackets on their Mm -hmm. offensive line, and they churn dudes out that are going to continually be pro bowlers. I think the other part of the Dave equation that hasn't been brought up maybe enough, maybe not so much, the relationship he has with Elton Jenkins and the amount of reps that they have banked, Mm -hmm. one of the other reasons why you don't really need to be on out there for a Wednesday practice. Is it good? Yeah, for sure. We'd love Mm -hmm. to see you on out there. But you and him and Elton are going to have all the communication on game day down to an absolute T. There's nothing Mm -hmm. that's going to uh, surprise either one of them about what the other one is doing at any specific time. You mentioned Zach Tom right out of the gates. I'm excited to see how he takes the challenge this week. David Ayumata, Grady Jarrett's a hell of a player. Now, I don't know how much he's going to see him uh, outside of you know stunting around to the outside, but Bud Dupree was a big-time sack guy a couple of years ago. Injuries have kind of curtailed his production the last couple of years, but this... Atlanta front four, Calais Campbell's mm-hmm. a part of that as well. Yeah, he's a newcomer. They they got dudes, right? Like they, they got some guys that you recognize mm-hmm. and remember and know are going to stress you in some different ways. Zach does it with exceptional footwork, leverage, and he's he's what a coach would just dreams about of probably a little undersized, doesn't look exactly the part of a right tackle, but shows that you can play any position on this offensive line with exceptional technique and a attention to detail that never wanes depending on whatever spot you're at. He was probably good enough to start last year.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And if you're talking in brass tacks, maybe beer's on the table, the guys up in 1265 would agree that maybe he should have been in last year at some point. But he was so valuable being able to jump in at a moment's notice at left tackle that scrambled the Jets if he was playing right guard mm-hmm. that uh, maybe... It's not as valuable of an asset right there. You put him in, know that for hopefully 17 games, barring injury, he is going to be the front side protector for your future. Pretty dang good spot to have and, and pretty insane value when you think about a fourth-rounder.
0: Yeah, your future and your present. And uh, Bakhtiari, a fourth-rounder as
3: well. I yeah. mean, these guys... Been, crazy what happens when they don't draft anybody in the third round
0: yeah
3: <laughs> sometimes maybe maybe they just shouldn't just draft trade anybody third round picks for two fourths and we'll be all good
0: I, I think that's probably the the most wise thing you can do all right so Zach Tom was the guy last year but in years past it had been Elton Jenkins that Swiss army knife who could play everywhere on the line and do it at a really exceptional level whether it's Tom whether it's uh, Elton at left guard. Now, how important is it for those guys to have one set position that you know that's what they know that they're holding down, as opposed to being that Swiss Army knife? Uh,
3: it's it's pretty important from a continuity standpoint, knowing what everybody else is doing. But I think it's a strength of what the Packers organization has done for, and it's been a foundational piece for a number of years. Is they're going to cross train their guys, right? You're going to learn guard, you're going to learn tackle, you might even learn center, and maybe you came in as a center and now you're going to go play tackle and understanding all the nuances of each position, not necessarily knowing that you're going to have to go in at a moment's notice like TJ Lang would do, Mm -hmm. throw a couple of years back. He was exceptional at the Swiss Army Knife spot. But then it also, once your time comes to get locked into one position, say like Zach Tom over at right tackle, you understand the the whole orchestra that has to happen across the offensive line for a play to work right one of the best advantages you can have at that position is knowing everybody else's job because yeah. even though you might not have to tell everybody else what they're doing you understand the why of why you're doing it and and it's something that joked about this in the beginning with the youth of america i think i think youth wants to know why can we figure out the why we're doing this and then the process will be a lot easier to go through. What player do you expect
0: that is in his second year? Because I thought last year's draft class is going to turn out to be exceptionally strong.
3: Who's going to make the biggest jump from year one to year two, in your opinion? Devontae Wyatt. And I keep hearing that name too. For a couple of reasons, yeah. and I don't want to just go on the easy one, but the biggest reason is just because of opportunity. Yeah. I mean, was Dean Lowry an exceptional player for the Green Bay Packers? No. Was he a good player for the Green Bay Packers? I'd put him in that good, yeah, category, put him in good category, right? I mean, sure. he played a bunch of snaps. Jaron Reed played a 1,000 snaps for them last year. So I think Devontae's most uh, repped game was like 24 snaps, 25 snaps. Mm-hmm. Hard to get in any rhythm and, and showcase what you can do as a first-round pick with that amount of opportunity. He's going to have a ton more opportunity. And whether it's because he's gotten just a tick faster, his initial burst off the line in college made me recognize him before Jordan Davis, who's 360 pounds and looks like a freaking mountain. Uh, Jalen Carter, who probably should have been the number one overall pick in the draft if it wasn't for a really unfortunate situation there after they won the national championship and some personal off-the-field issues. I saw 95 on that Georgia defense all the time because he was so quick with his initial burst and was in the backfield so much. He hits... Man, he hit poor Nate Davis with a swim move against Chicago that, like, Nate's swimming in a three-foot pool at the end of it. <laughs> He's not even close to him, Doug. And the swim is is one of, like, the three defensive line moves that they'll teach you quickly. Offensive lineman will throw his hands at you, you swat those away, mm-hmm. and then pull the arm on over, hit the guy on the way on back so you clear the level. And go, I mean, like, Nate Davis was like, wait, what happened? Where'd he go? <laughs> And he's chasing Justin Fields. Now, doesn't make a sack. Sure. Forces Fields out of the pocket. I actually think he gains a couple of yards mm-hmm. on the play. But that consistent pressure in the face of a quarterback is so, so frustrating. And I think with Kenny Clark being next to him, always draws attention and once you start being like, oh, we need to worry about 95, 97's going to take advantage of that. So I think Wyatt, just because of the opportunity and the guys he has around him, and I didn't even mention Rashawn Gary, who's going to probably line up against or alongside of him on a number of different pass rush opportunities. So I'd go Wyatt there a close second, and I'll try to go someone maybe a little bit more off the radar and... <laughs> difficult to say off the radar here, but J.J. Engibare mm-hmm. would would be another guy, because uh, J.J.'s going to have a lot of opportunity again. Rashawn Gary's still working on a pat, uh, pitch count. Mm-hmm. Preston Smith's getting another year older. You're always going to sub guys in at the pass rush spot, and I think uh, Engibare is a couple of steps above Justin Hollins, maybe closer to Lucas Van Ness, but with an extra year under your belt and some splash plays in the preseason, I think uh, and Igbare has himself a chance to, to really, really shine. Before we wrap
0: up, the Atlanta Falcons coming up for the Packers. What do you see from Atlanta last year? 6-3 and three at home. That's where they're at today. 1-7 on the road, but that NFC South is so
3: wide open. Dude, they are going to pound the football right at you. They, they know what they are. They know who they want to be. There's no identity crisis going on. I, I was less than confident let's say it this way in the preseason in the true desire to run the football we hear a lot of offensive coordinators say oh well, no we want to be 50 50 balanced we want to run the football and i think it was mike mccarthy actually down in dallas said man kellen wants to throw the ball around i mean like let's be honest <laughs> all right well we want to run it he played quarterback at boise state he wants to sling the thing around so he's going to go coach justin herbert instead and we're going to play it a little bit differently I'll believe it when I see it, of coaches that played quarterback in college, have a legacy potentially guy in front of him. You you turn just uh, Jordan Love into a pro bowler, you're going to get yourself a nice extension. Oh, yeah. Right? You're, you're going to have a little bit more of a mm-hmm. legacy here in Green Bay. That's a That's a legacy play. I'm going to want to showcase him a little bit more. Arthur Smith ain't doing that junk. Arthur Smith is saying, I'm going to find all different ways to give Tyler Algier the ball. I got B. John Robinson, who might be the best uh, offensive player in this year's draft. Yeah, we're going to run it. And we got one of the better guards in football. We're going to run it some more. And then maybe it's third and three. Yeah, maybe Desmond Ritter in his sixth NFL start will throw the ball. But we're probably going to run it a little bit. right? Like, So they're they are steadfast in who they are. You're going to have to stop them. Run defense has been an issue for the Packers for a long time coming. Here, Doug Russell. So. Certainly, they do have some weapons, though. If
0: Desmond Ritter does want to throw the ball around, though, too. Yeah,
3: and and high completion percentage, right? Fifteen of eighteen yeah. last week. He's, Still hasn't
0: thrown an interception in five NFL starts.
3: And and I heard a couple of people saying, like, you know, oh, all the books out on Desmond Ritter. We know who he is. You don't know who Desmond Ritter is as an Luther NFL five quarterback. five starts, you can't. If you say that you already know what. He is as an NFL quarterback. Then you got to say that you already know what Jordan Love hat is as an NFL quarterback because Ritter came in last year at the back half of a season for a team that was all but done. Mm-hmm. So they they are a fast team. They're going to run it. They're going to pound it at you, and they have a bit of an unknown there with Ritter. Do I think he's exceptional? No, but. I think you can get Drake London in the football, and I don't like the sound of that. I also don't like Kyle Pitts maybe having one of those breakout moments against the Green Bay Packers. He's shown flashes as to why he was the fourth overall pick, but production necessarily hasn't been where exactly it should be. But they got a young group of position players there in the pass catcher room. You're right that there's a reason why those guys were taken in the first round. Without a doubt. Billy, appreciate the time. Love it, man. Appreciate you having me. All
0: right, there he goes. Bill Schmidt joining us here on the Doug Russell Podcast. I want to turn the page and uh, I want to get to Kelly Price, who joins us now on the Doug Russell Podcast. This is our Eye on the Enemy segment, if you will. The Packers, of course, in Atlanta on Sunday. A noon kickoff against the Falcons. Atlanta 1-0 after beating Carolina last week. Kelly covers the Falcons for Fox 5 Sports in Atlanta, formerly of WGBA, NBC twenty six. In Green Bay and again for the last several years she's been closer to home she's from Tampa but uh, is in Atlanta right now reporter anchor hosts rise up tonight not our enemy but today her team that uh, she covers is for Packers fans Kelly thanks so much for the time I appreciate it Uh, the biggest storyline at the end of last season for the team you cover the Falcons was the decision to go with Desmond Ritter at quarterback the last four games. Marcus Mariota benched, then he left the team for a knee procedure. The team went 2-2 two and two under Ritter, but how did that change the locker room, that decision after the bye week to go with the rookie as opposed to the veteran?
4: Yeah, it was a really interesting time when you think about Mariota getting benched, essentially, and Desmond Ritter kind of taking the reins of this team, which I think was the ultimate plan all along. Um, It was just kind of a matter of when. There's certainly fans here that felt it should have happened before that bye or maybe a little bit earlier because of Mariota's not-so-great performance as a Falcon. Um, But I think it's been good for Ritter to kind of learn this offense, get comfortable, um, find his footing. And then those first couple games last year, he's talked a lot about how he had a lot of nerves and jitters and just, like, wanting to do everything perfectly, as a lot of people I'm sure can relate to in their jobs and in their lives putting too much pressure on himself and I feel like throughout his maturation process now in year two as a pro but year one fully as a starter he's starting to see you know the confidence build and some more of that comfort that I think he didn't have in those first four starts last season Um, obviously just one game so far one very small sample size Um, but you saw that throughout this week one win for the Falcons the entire offense really got more comfortable As the entire game wore on. And you could say that about the defense as well, which is a positive trajectory that you want to see on both sides of the ball from any player. But I think for Desmond Ritter, it was good to just kind of like get out there. He even said, you know, I'm excited to kind of like get hit and just kind of like get back into that side of it, um, just to kind of get more comfortable and get more of those reps and chemistry built in this team.
0: Going back to last season for just a second, the Peyton Manning executively produced show, the quarterback, Marcus Mariota, part of that, did that give you any insights as to how the Falcons operate or how Mariota, how he operated? Did it give you any insights as to maybe I didn't know about this or about that, the way that the Falcons do business?
4: Honestly, no, not for Mariota, but I did find the Patrick Mahomes and Kurt Cousins part of that uh, series wildly interesting i never really considered myself like a kurt cousins fan or follower or anything but after watching that i really like felt like i understood who he was and why people like him so much a little bit more it's the dad shirts um, isn't that's it prob- that's, yeah, it's probably not what like packer fans want to <laughs> hear but i i thought he was like really enjoyable on that series and i didn't expect to come out of it like you know rooting for him a little bit um but patrick mahomes i mean i think a lot of people love what he does on the field and he's pretty unproblematic off of it as well but to see kind of like the hard work that he's put in you know the stuff that with his trainer and in the gym that was like fascinating for me as someone who's covered you know thousands of these athletes throughout my time as a reporter to see the different things that he does and um you know his trainer's philosophies and stuff that was like fascinating for me to see and the episode about the play calls was really fun. Um, I thought they did a really good job with it. I don't know if they're doing it again this season um, or if they've announced who it's going to be, but um, I didn't really learn anything about Mariota, I'll say. <laughs> but Mariota, you know, he's a really nice guy, but he's he's probably just not as interesting as those guys and definitely didn't have the level of success that they did.
0: True. No question. Uh, apparently, Peyton Manning has approached several quarterbacks and none have said, sure. I'll be part of season two. I don't know if they didn't like what they saw in season one, but I thought it was a really fascinating series. I
4: thought it was great, and I didn't think there was anything that, you know, a player could look at and be like, oh, well, I won't don't want that out there. Or You know, I, I thought it was pretty unproblematic.
0: No, I did too. Absolutely. So hopefully somebody will take him up on the offer. Peyton Manning, by the way, was at Packers training camp. He and Jordan Love did speak. Jordan Love said afterwards that he did not get asked, but I don't know how – fourth riot that was uh, about Jordan Love because I think he'd be fascinating as well. Kelly Price, our Eye on yeah. the Enemy from Fox 5 Sports joining us here. Uh, let's continue on with the quarterback theme. Tyler Heineke is getting $7 million this year to be Desmond Ritter's backup. That's a lot of money to hold a clipboard, but it also leads to the question of how much rope does Ritter have if he struggles at any point this year?
4: It's a really good question, and I think that we'll obviously see what happens there, um, but I think the thing with Heineke is he was looking for somewhere to land that was a good landing spot for him as well i feel like this was a very mutual um agreement um he's from this area he literally owned the house seven minutes from the falcons facility in flowery branch so this was a big homecoming for him um he went to high school here at collins hill and you know still goes back there all the time is super tight with his family who's still here So I think it was as much a Taylor Heineke decision to come here as it was a Falcons decision to bring him in. Um, And, you know, I mean, every fan in the NFL, not just Packers or Jets fans, saw this week how important it is to have a reliable backup quarterback. And I think that's something that's been de-emphasized across the league in the kind of most recent years and in developing that second quarterback and having a really good one because you're one play away from wanting to play that guy or needing to play that guy. Um, As for the Falcons, you know, that wanting to play side of it could come into effect. Um, But Desmond Ritter, I think, has been doing everything he's been asked to do. He hasn't, you know, a lot of fantasy fans out there might not love that Kyle Pitts and Drake London aren't getting the touches that um, they wanted to see in week one. But Desmond Ritter was doing what he was asked to be asked to do. He wasn't um asked to, you know, throw these deep bomb touchdowns to Kyle Pitts and the fantasy owners, you know, mm. making them happy. And Arthur Smith has talked a lot about that. So I think as long as he continues to stay on that path, not throwing an interception throughout his five games now as a as a pro is really impressive and there's definitely a bunch of stats about how few people have done that in the NFL. Um if he keeps doing that, they're not gonna have to go to Heineke.
0: Uh, you mentioned Arthur Smith. I do have a question about the head coach. Is he, in your opinion, too conservative? Because I know that he heard it from fans last week after taking a knee with almost a minute and a half left in the first half and a couple of timeouts. I was curious as to why he made that decision. I think it was a curious call, to say the least. What did he explain went into that decision?
4: I'm sure he was asked about that specific decision. I was not in his postgame press conference, so I can't tell you everything that he said. That is. it is. Arthur Smith, he is more conservative, I think, on the spectrum of all these NFL coaches, right? Um, But I think that's his style. Like, that's who he is. He's not going to change who he is because he's a head coach now. Um, You've seen this from him before. I think, you know, it's kind of like a throwback era with him, with the whole, you know, emphasizing the ground game. And let's be really physical up front. Um, it's, It's a very different kind of style in the NFL these days. Um, But I think there's definitely a certain part of the Falcons fan base that really, like, deeply appreciates that about Arthur Smith. I appreciate that about him. He's not going to just, like, become some flashy guy because he's not the head coach of an NFL football team. Um, I appreciate that about him. I feel like he's very authentic with it. Um, But we'll see if that strategy pays off. I think it's still a little too early to tell, um, just because this is the first year that I think we really can look at what Arthur Smith is doing with a lens of, all right, where is the progress here? Because this is definitely by far the best roster he's had since he's been here. Um, They've had a lot of hard situations with the roster and the salary cap and all that kind of stuff. Um, Lots of guys on one-year deals and guys that might not even make practice squads elsewhere. So this is the first year to really kind of Put a lens to some of those kinds of decisions and see, is this the best decision? You know, is this something that um, that, you know, is, is going to be successful for a long term?
0: As long as you bring up the running game, looks like you've got a pretty good one down there in Atlanta. Bijan Robinson, Tyler Algier Robinson, the high draft pick, of course, Algier wasn't. But he still ran for a thousand yards last season as a rookie. How do you anticipate the two of them sharing carries this year? The early returns are pretty good.
4: Yeah, I mean, week one, anyone who watched that game will have noticed both of those guys averaging over five yards a carry in the run game and in the receiving game as well. They're both threats, um, especially Bijan Robinson. You saw him really show you all the different reasons that they brought him in as the number eight overall pick this past year. They feel like he can line up in a lot of different places. I think it's going to make it really hard on opposing defenses because you don't know where he's going to go. They're really good at kind of using him in a lot of different ways. And this offense didn't even have Cordero Patterson last week. So that's a whole other element to this offense that we haven't even seen work with these two running backs. Um, But they're so fun to watch. I mean, even just in that week one and in that first preseason drive that we saw from them, it's fun to see them on the field together and individually. They're both electric in very different ways. They both have very different running styles and strengths, kind of like A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones in Green Bay, two very different running backs that complement each other very well and make this offense go.
0: Kelly Price from Fox 5 Atlanta, our eye on the enemy for just a couple more moments. Last year, the Falcons 6-3 and three at home, 1-7 and seven on the road, a slew yeah. of close games But the NFC South is so wide open. Last year, three, seven, and 10 teams. Tampa Bay just a game better at eight, and nine, and they were the division winners. How much of a feeling is there that this Falcons team is as poised as anyone in that division to make the next step up?
4: Oh, absolutely. This division is completely wide open. I remember saying last week, I didn't have the NFC South going three and one in week one on my bingo card, and two of those teams were playing each other, so one had to lose, right? right? Yeah. So I did not expect that from week one. That's to say. this NFL is a very equal league. There's a lot of parody across the league and anyone really can get win on any given Sunday, but the NFC South is going to be just uh, very interesting to watch <laughs> because none of these teams on paper have enough, you know, to be like, wow, they're going to be the dominant favorite here. I think the Falcons are way improved from the seven and 10 squad you saw last year. And Arthur Smith got seven wins out of that team and that team was not Top to bottom roster-wise, not even close to what this one is. So I think it's definitely, like you said, a wide-open division. I think it's the Falcons for the taking. Um, Of the four teams, I feel like they kind of have one of the more talented rosters and complete rosters um, and can really make some noise here and make the playoffs.
0: Final thing for you, as we're joined by Kelly Price of Fox 5 Atlanta, formerly of NBC26 in Green Bay. Finish this sentence. The Falcons will win today if what?
4: The offense stays balanced, and the run game dominates.
0: Fair enough. Kelly Price from Fox 5 Atlanta. Kelly, I appreciate the time. Always good to catch up with you. And uh, stay cool down there in Atlanta. I know it gets pretty warm down there.
4: <laughs> Definitely warmer than Green Bay.
0: <laughs> Without a doubt. Thanks, Kelly. Thank you. Kelly Price joining us here from Fox 5 Sports on the Doug Russell Podcast. Of course, the story in the NFL this week is, and it had deep reverberations in Green Bay with the Packers, and it affects the Packers next year. Of course, they're not going to get a first-round draft pick from the uh, New York Jets. They will get a second-rounder because Aaron Rodgers won't be there to get the 65% of the snaps that would have been required for the Jets to convey that first-round pick to Green Bay as part of the trade that they made just before the 2023 draft. But, man, what a just what a downer this week in
2: the NFL. Breaking huddle. With the two tight ends, and three wide, and Cook in the backfield, and the bare-armed Rodgers, moving from left to right, studies the front, first and ten, jet 43. There's the snap. Sets and looks. Look out from the side. He's grabbed, spun, and sacked down. Brought down on the play by Leonard Floyd. Oh, he came rocketing through. He sacks Rodgers. It's a loss of nine, and they're back to the 33 of New York. And that's three plays in a row where there's been pressure up front. We Uh-oh, knew that was. Rogers is down. Rogers is down. Rogers is pointing to his leg and his, he got up on his feet and then fell down on his own accord and is now sitting up with his elbows on his knees. But Floyd got him and twisted Rogers. And the quarterback for the Jets is down, and we're at 11:15 in the first quarter. Just three minutes and 45, and Rogers is being helped off the field with his arms around two athletic trainers, walking with regularity but leaving the game at the 11:15 mark of the first quarter. And Zach Wilson will come in, and Rogers is limping as he gets to the bench. <laughs> wow. That is unbelievable to go from such excitement and just four minutes in everybody in this stadium holding their breath hoping that it's nothing serious so zach wilson has got it second down and 20 after the big sack by the bills all right i'll uh, deal with the quarterback real quick um uh, concerned with his Achilles uh, MRI is probably going to confirm what we think is already going to happen. So prayers tonight, but it's not good. Yeah, it was bad.
0: It was a torn Achilles tendon. Robert Sala, the head coach of the New York Jets, very somber after game, th- despite the fact that his team just won a thrilling game on opening night against a division opponent that's predicted to win their division. This is a huge win for the Jets, but all anybody could think about was the quarterback. All anybody could think about, I guess, rightfully so was Aaron Rodgers. I have never, in all of the years, and it's now 30 years that I've been covering the NFL, I've never seen a more hyped off-season acquisition. The only one that comes to mind that could approach it, perhaps, is Reggie White. But Reggie White, in Green Bay, not a quarterback, uh, certainly one of the greatest players at his position, if not the greatest player, certainly in the conversation, and it was huge for Green Bay. It was huge for the NFL. It was huge for free agency. There was so much that was wrapped up into that. And maybe there's just recency bias. Maybe the media is different. Social media is different. Hard Knocks exists this year. And they couldn't wait to get to New York. And if you watched HBO's Hard Knocks, I think, what, four or five episodes that they had this year, it might as well have been renamed The Aaron Rodgers Show, which is fine because... Aaron Rodgers takes up all of the oxygen in every room that he walks into. That's not a criticism. It's just an observation. There are certain people that are like that, that whether they're good or bad, whether, I mean, I remember uh, Henry Aaron, uh, the late Henry Aaron. Every time I was in a room with Henry Aaron, and it was a few times uh, when he would come back to Milwaukee for certain events, Henry Aaron just took the, the air out of the room. He just sucks it all out because all of the focus is on him. Anytime you're in the room with the president of the United States, whether it's a current president or a former president, I remember the last game ever played at the Bradley Center It was a Bucks Celtics playoff game in the spring of 2018. Bill Clinton happened to be at the game. Bill Clinton hadn't been in office in a generation. Bill Clinton hasn't been in office since early 2001, and this was 2018, so it had been you know, 18 years. Since he had been the occupant of it, but still former president, instantly recognizable, sucked all of the air out of the room. That's just what presidents and former presidents do. But Aaron Rodgers was the same way. Every time he walks into a room, it's Aaron Rodgers is in the room. And Aaron Rodgers was on hard knocks and he was followed every move that he made on the field. Aaron Andrews did the sit-down interview as part of the Fox pregame show that was highly anticipated, very well done by Aaron Andrews. But Aaron Rodgers kept saying how much he was renewed and how much he was looking forward to being with some of his old guys like Randall Cobb, Nathaniel Hackett, Alan Lazard, Tim Boyle even in the quarterback's room. But also he was excited about playing with guys like Garrett Wilson. He was excited about Sauce Gardner. Being his teammate on the other side of the field, playing defense as opposed to offense, but he was just excited for you know the new opportunity uh, in New York. I don't know that I'm convinced that he was going to retire after he was coming out of the darkness retreat. I don't know that that was sometimes. Sometimes Aaron mm, perhaps exaggerates a little bit. I don't know that for sure. Of course. But I don't, I'm not convinced. I mean, I know that he says he was 90% sure that he was going to retire. I'm I'm not convinced of that, but th- that's that's just me. I will say this about his injury, though. It sucks. It sucks for him. It sucks for the Jets. But moreover than that, moreover than anything else, you know what it sucks for? It sucks for the NFL. It sucks for football. Because this storyline, even though it's a storyline of leaving Green Bay, and there are a lot of Packers fans that have a bad taste in their mouths, about Aaron Rodgers for whatever reason. Whether it's you don't like his political stances, you don't like his vaccination statuses, you don't like the sometimes you know that sometimes he was disingenuous, you don't like the fact that he's got a weird relationship, if any kind of relationship at all, with his family. There are a lot of things that you can kind of point to. The fact that um, he can be petty, he can be thin-skinned. These are all truths about Aaron Rodgers. And these are all things... That fans have picked up on in the 18 years that Aaron Rodgers was in Green Bay, 15 years as the starting quarterback. The one thing that you can't deny is how great of a player he was. You can try. Aaron Rodgers said it, and I don't know. I know a lot of fans didn't like the fact that he said that, you know, when he was leaving Green Bay, that quote, I'm arguably one of the greatest players. I guess I'm paraphrasing. It's not a direct quote because um, I, I don't have it in front of me, but I'm one of the greatest players that's arguably ever played for the Green Bay Packers. Fans didn't like that. we are like, you're not the greatest player of all time. Don Hudson is. Or uh, Bart Starr is. Bart Starr won so many championships. And what about Paul Horning? What about Ray Nitschke? What about all these great players from the 1960s? Fine, he didn't say that he was locked down the greatest player of all time. But do you not think that he's one of the greatest players that's ever played for the Green Bay Packers in history? Do you not think that he's in that conversation? If there was a Mount Rushmore of great Packers players... I mean, if there's the Mount Rushmore, obviously, Vince Lombardi is up there, and Curly Lambeau is up there, and I think Bob Harlan should be up there. But if we're just talking players, if you don't think that Aaron Rodgers is one of the Mount Rushmore greatest four players in Green Bay Packers history, you're crazy, or you just don't know football, or you just have some sort of weird thing about the 1960s. Aaron Rodgers, absolutely, recency bias be damned, is one of the greatest players that has ever played. In a Packers uniform, and arguably the greatest player that has ever played in a Packers uniform. That is fact. Here's what else is a fact Aaron Rodgers is good for business. Aaron Rodgers is good for the business of football. He's an electrifying player even at the age of 39 going to be 40 before he takes his next NFL snap. And make no mistake about it. Aaron Rodgers is not retiring. There's absolutely no way that he wants to go out like that. In a sense Brett Favre kind of went out that way. I always felt badly for Brett, but I also think that Brett was at the end of he was at the end of the line anyway. He had had his one season with the Jets, but he really wanted to play for the Vikings because they were so close to getting to the Super Bowl. They got to the NFC Championship game in Brett's first season with the Vikings. And then the next year, things started to kind of spiral out of control a little bit. And for Brett, it was it was just time. He was at the end. And I don't think that Aaron was there. It was just a freak injury. And I know it's going to take a tremendous amount of of rehab for him to get that Achilles tendon back to a point where he can play NFL football. And I don't know that he's got more than one year left, but I know for damn well certain that the only way that he would not come back is if he just physically can't do it. That's the only reason. Mentally, I think he's just so pissed off that this is the way that he went out. Four snaps with his new team after all of the buildup that we saw. After hours of HBO hard knocks footage that we saw. After being the guy that the Jets so desperately needed because the Jets have a damn good football team. An incredible defense. They've got some talent on offense. And they've got a young quarterback in Zach Wilson, who they drafted number two overall. That just was kind of thrown to the fire. And this was perhaps a renewal for Zach Wilson for his career. Could he salvage his career? You know, sitting behind the experienced Aaron Rodgers, learning from Aaron Rodgers, because Aaron seems to. I mean, you can ask Jordan Love about this seems to have embraced his role as not only the leader of the the football team, but also as a mentor to the young quarterbacks, especially one that seems to have a lot of upside, especially when he was drafted just a couple of years ago in Zach Wilson. But, you know, football coaches sometimes make dumb decisions because their owners make them make dumb decisions. Well, we drafted the guy number 2 overall. Damn it, you've got to play him. Well, maybe that's not the best way to go. I love what we saw last week from Jordan Love, and when Jordan Love was last a QB1, he threw 17 interceptions in a college season at Utah State, not even at a Power 5 school. Now I think Jordan Love, after three seasons of seeing how Aaron Rodgers takes care of the football and some of the nuances that he's picked up on over the last three years, I think Jordan Love could have a great career, and I think that If you want to even spin it back another 15 years, I think Aaron needed that behind Brett. Three years is a long time, but it can be a hell of an apprenticeship. So I wish Aaron well. I have no ill will towards Aaron Rodgers at all, whatsoever. Um, I've always just tried to tell the truth about Aaron Rodgers. I mean, some of it's good, and some of the -the off-the-field stuff is a little weird to me. He's a great player and an electrifying presence. And football is better when Aaron Rodgers is on the field. So... We'll see him in 2024. I'm absolutely convinced of that. We'll talk to you soon right here on the Doug Russell Podcast. Again, coming up on Sunday at 8 a.m. I'll have Packers game day kickoff with Wayne Larrabee and Larry McCarron is at noon on your Packers flagship 97-3 the game. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you soon right here on the Doug Russell Podcast.